This is Expert Insights, Physician Views and News, a podcast with the nationally recognized physicians at the Christ Hospital Health Network. Here's your host, Melanie Cole. Many women will develop a pelvic floor disorder in their lifetime. However, many of them don't seek help. They may be too uncomfortable talking about their symptoms, think it's just a normal part of aging, assume these kinds of problems can't be corrected, or are just not sure what kind of specialist to see. My guest today is Dr. Aparna Shah. She specializes in female pelvic medicine and reconstructive surgery and gynecology with the Christ Hospital Health Network. Welcome to the show, Dr. Shah. Explain a little bit about vaginal disorders and what are some common conditions in which a woman might seek help, and also explain this field of pelvic floor medicine. The official name of our field is Female Pelvic Medicine and Reconstructive Surgery. Um, Formerly, we were referred to as urogynecology, and essentially what we are is experts in disorders of the pelvic floor. So to understand what that means, I think it's first helpful to understand what the pelvic floor is. When we refer to the pelvic floor, we're talking about the collection of muscles, ligaments, connective tissues, and bony structures that form the the female pelvis. Pelvic floor disorders occur when any of the nerves, muscles, connective tissues, basically any components of the pelvic floor weaken due to things like genetics, pregnancy, childbirth, straining, aging, obesity, so multifactorial problem. And when any of these support structures involved in the pelvic floor weaken, what we see are pelvic floor disorders. There are numerous pelvic floor disorders. Probably the most common disorders that we see are urinary incontinence or involuntary loss of urine, pelvic organ prolapse or vaginal bulge. So when the tissues weaken and any of the various pelvic structures can herniate into and outside of the vagina and fecal incontinence or involuntary loss of stool. Other pelvic floor disorders include things like pelvic floor-related pain, recurrent urinary tract infections, um, and disorders of the labia and vulva are all encompassed in the broad-term pelvic floor disorders. Do you find that women delay going to the doctor for reasons of embarrassment for any of these types of pelvic floor disorders? Yeah, we, when you look at studies of women with pelvic floor disorders, we find that they are markedly, markedly underreported, and there's probably several reasons for this. First and foremost, like you said, is women feel uncomfortable or embarrassed to talk about these issues, and so they simply don't bring them up. Um, I think similarly, physicians often don't bring up these issues, and as, as physicians, our job really needs to be to open the door to allow patients to talk about these disorders. Um, I think some of the other reasons that these disorders go underreported is because women think that these issues are a normal part of aging. They think that they are something that you have to live with, and they're not aware of potential treatment options. Um, So all of these factors come together to make these disorders markedly underreported. And as a result, we unfortunately have numerous women who are living with these problems and not seeking help or not even aware that they can seek help for these disorders. So let's talk about this sort of imbalance in the labia and labia disorders. Explain a little bit about the common condition and when does it become apparent or a woman's discomfort? When would it send her to see a doctor? Yeah, so um, in general with pelvic floor disorders, whether it's a vulvar or labial issue or the urinary incontinence or any of the other disorders we've talked about, 
we tend to think women should seek help if and when they are bothered by the problem. So specifically talking about the labial issue, what we often see are women where they have marked labial elongation. Sometimes it's symmetric, meaning both labia are elongated, and sometimes it's asymmetric, meaning one side is very normal. We don't know exactly what causes this, but probably some some of it has to do with childbirth and aging, just like other pelvic floor disorders. And the symptoms that women often present with are either significant labial discomfort. A lot of women say they have discomfort sitting, particularly if they're trying to do something like ride a bike. I have women who complain that they feel difficulty wearing yoga pants and difficulty exercising because of the elongation. Um, They may feel discomfort with intercourse as well. So it's generally some type of discomfort um, that brings these women into the office. So what had you done previously for these women, and now what has changed? So we've traditionally done a procedure referred to as a labioplasty under anesthesia in an operating room. So the procedure itself has been around for years and years and years, Um, and I have seen women throughout the years who have significant discomfort, um, and then surgical revision of the labia is really the only way to correct that problem. The nice thing is, as with many surgical procedures, our techniques are getting more and more minimally invasive, and specifically with the labial elongation, this is something that we can now treat without general anesthesia in an office-type setting um, where patients can come in, and because there's no general anesthetic, they can drive themselves in, and they can drive themselves right to work or right home or wherever they choose. They don't need someone to be with them. They don't need a driver. So tell us about some of the key benefits of this procedure. Explain a little bit about it. Yeah. So again, just want to reiterate that the procedure itself is not new. Revising the labia is something we've done in the operating room. So the technique is something that we're very, very familiar with. However, we now have this radio frequency device called the Pelleve, which allows us to do this procedure in an office-based setting or in a procedure-type setting without general anesthesia. Um, And because we use radio frequency, there's significantly less charring, and we think this results in less pain. So far, the patients that we have um, done this procedure on have been wide awake. They've had local anesthesia only. They've been able to drive themselves into the procedure and drive themselves home, and they've had minimal post-operative pain. Um, Additionally, because because of the um, minimal um, cautery effect because we're using radio frequency, um, the patients have had very little thermal damage to their skin, and I think that's really helped decrease their post-operative pain and really resulted in a nice cosmetic outcome. So what have you ter- seen in terms of patient satisfaction from Pelleve? Um So we are newer at doing this in the office setting. So like I said, we've traditionally done these in the OR, but so far the patients that we've done have had minimal to no pain. They've had return to normal activities basically the day of the procedure, um, and patients have been very satisfied with both the functional and the cosmetic outcomes. Dr. Shaw, what determines a successful outcome in your opinion? Are you, besides labial deformity or the gaping of the vaginal opening, are you also looking at discomfort with sitting, exercising during intercourse for the woman? What what determines a successful outcome? Yeah, so I, I think it's a combination of both the patient's subjective outcome and our objective outcome. So of course, as a surgeon, what I'm looking for is when all is said and done, have the labia healed symmetrically? Have they healed to look normal? Have they healed without 
scarring, and we are definitely seeing all of the above. The most important outcome to me, however, is how does the patient feel? And so far, the few patients that we have done in this awake setting have um, been extremely happy with the results, and their functional outcome has been what they've desired, i.e., they've been able to go back to exercising and sitting and wearing yoga pants and doing all the things, all of the activities that previously caused them discomfort. The patients that we've done have been very happy with the cosmetic outcome, which has been secondary to the functional, but important nonetheless. Is there any patient selection criteria involved, and are there any clinical contraindications for the institution of Peleve? Yeah, so I would say um, we would never want to treat a patient with an active vaginal or labial skin infection, Um, but really there's very few contraindications to this procedure. I think that also we would, you know, want to be very cautious and potentially avoid any patients who've had previous radiation, just as we're cautious about any kind of pelvic floor surgery because those patients have less of a blood supply. But I would say really the big contraindication is we would not want to be treating someone with an active vaginal or labial skin infection. In summary, Dr. Shaw, please tell other physicians what you'd like them to know about the Christ Hospital Pelvic Floor Center, when to refer to a specialist, and what you'd like them to know about labial elongation. As far as the Pelvic Floor Center um, goes, it's a very unique Um, collaborative setting where multiple different types of pelvic floor disorders can be evaluated, diagnosed, and in some cases treated. Um, As far as what I want physicians to know about this condition of labial hypertrophy or labial elongation is that when women present with significant labial elongation, deformity, or asymmetry, we can often rectify this problem by surgically revising the labia. Um, And now it's a really nice added benefit to be able to do this for women without general anesthesia, which allows for quicker return to activities of daily living. Um, It's really nice to be able to offer patients a procedure that's well tolerated without the side effects of general anesthesia. Um, And so far, what we're seeing is excellent functional as well as cosmetic outcomes. Um, In terms of when we want physicians to refer to us, I think if patients present with labial concerns, we are happy to see those patients and then help the patients decide, you know, if there is some sort of vulvar disorder that needs to be treated or if this is really a condition like labial hypertrophy that can be corrected um, with this Peleve procedure. Thank you so much for being with us today, Dr. Shah. You're listening to Expert Insights, Physician Views and News with the Christ Hospital Health Network. To learn more about Dr. Shah and the Christ Hospital Pelvic Floor Center, please visit thechristhospital.com slash talk. That's thechristhospital.com slash talk. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening. Great. Thank you.